0: So today is Palm Sunday, and I want to bring to you a message that maybe some of you, when you saw um, listed in your bulletin or online, you're like, Pastor, what is that all about? But if you turn with me to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, I want to speak to you about the saddest day of Jesus' life, the saddest day of Jesus' life. And here's the thing. I really believe as we move through this message and we get to the end of this message, you're going to find that, yeah, it sounds kind of negative, but really it's not a downer. But it's a message of hope and comfort for us, especially as we're in this very, very difficult time that we find ourselves in. I don't know about you, but man, as I read the the, the, the stories online and the papers And watch the, the news on, on television and so forth And even talk to people around me After a while it can kind of get to me I think it gets to a lot of us But I want us to know this morning That there's a God in heaven who's watching over us Who loves us and who cares for us And this morning I want to read Luke chapter 19 We have the Palm Sunday account um, and, and it tells of how Jesus, in verse 37, it says he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives. And, and it describes how everyone everyone is, is now um, kind of cheering for him. Blessed is the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so forth. In verse 41, though, says this. As he, that is Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, what would bring you shalom, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when, when you, upon you, when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and, and, and your children within your walls and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you may god bless his word to us this morning and so i want you to imagine with me the picture of palm sunday is given to us in luke's gospel jesus is riding on a cult towards jerusalem his disciples are walking alongside of him and they begin to to shout out blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord coming right out of psalm 118 which we read earlier And children are running and men and women are lining the streets and they're laying down their outer garments on the roadway and they're waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna Hosanna again right out of Psalm 118 Hosanna Hosanna. You see, this was Jesus' big day. This was the day that the disciples had been waiting for. At long last, Jesus would be hailed as the Messiah, as the true king of the Jews. Oh, the disciples were in all their glory, for Jesus was being hailed as king, and they were his right-hand men. Well, the day seemed so exciting and so joyful until we look a little more closely at the picture. And as we do, we find that Jesus is not riding through the streets, soaking in the praise. Jesus is not sitting on the donkey, waving to the crowd like some hero being welcomed home. Jesus was not enjoying this moment. But rather, Luke tells us that as Jesus came to the top of the Mount of Olives, it seems that he paused. And as he does, he catches a glimpse of his beloved city. And Jesus begins To weep. And even as he rides down towards and into Jerusalem, we find that Jesus, the whole way, he is weeping. What a confusing scene, both for us and for those who were there with him that day. For on that day, on that day that many would have considered the pinnacle or the climax of his three and a half years of ministry, Jesus is not shouting in victory but rather he is shedding tears of great sorrow. The one whom the prophet describes as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief is showing his true colors. For again, while everyone else is filled with joy, his heart is filled with sorrow. Jesus, he weeps. And it's almost like Jesus is seeing a very different scene from what everyone else around him saw. It's almost like there were two movies playing at the same time. The disciples and the crowd, they're watching one movie, but Jesus is watching another. Here on this day, which we refer to, as Palm Sunday, on this day that most people would assume to be the happiest day of Jesus' life, on this day which which on the surface appeared to be a day of great joy. Jesus is filled with anything but joy. For I believe we might rightfully call this day the saddest day of Jesus' life. You know, back in 2010, Kim and I had the privilege of being in Israel. And I remember as... We, we rode up onto the Mount of Olives and we caught our first glimpse of Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's really quite a sight. It's almost like you, you feel like you can reach out and touch the city from that point. And when we got to the top, we paused to look and to see, to take in the sight of the beautiful city below us. In the same way, even just as Jesus paused on top of the Mount of Olives that day, I want us to pause on this Palm Sunday and take a look at what it was that Jesus saw on that day as he looked over Jerusalem and why it was in the midst of everyone else's joy, Jesus is found weeping. You see, I believe that as we do, we will catch a glimpse of Jesus' heart. We could rightfully say God's heart for us and for our world today. For as we go through the terrible things that come into our lives and into our world, even a time such as this that we're facing right now, with all the fear and the pain and the anxiety that so many are feeling, I believe we need to catch a glimpse of what is in God's heart for us and for our world today. The first thing I see as I look at at the passage here is that Jesus was weeping, Jesus wept over what was. That is, he was grieving over the current state of affairs, the blindness, the lostness, the brokenness, and the pain of the world all around him. And we know that wherever Jesus went, he was very much aware of what was taking place around him, especially people who were in a place of need and pain. Oh, you see, others could walk by that that lame man sitting by the pool who was waiting for someone to help him in. Others could turn a blind eye to the leper who had become an outcast even to his family. Others no longer saw the lostness and brokenness of that woman caught in adultery or that tax collector living with deep guilt, but Jesus always saw. Jesus always took note. He paused and he always reached out with compassion and with love as Jesus looked over the city that day, he saw a city filled with people who were lost. They had lost their spiritual sight. They had lost their ability to see what was taking place right before them. We hear him crying out, now it is hidden from your eyes and you did not recognize the time of God's coming. You see, they were like the prodigal son of whom Jesus once spoke. That young man who thought by leaving his father's house and going out on his own, he would be able to to obtain all that he thought he needed. But instead, his life became one of pain and ruin. Earlier on, Jesus had applied Isaiah's words to his people when he said, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes, lost. And yet, not knowing they were lost, what a terrible state to be in. Jesus sees it, and he weeps. But as well as he as he looked at what was happening, what was, what was there right before his eyes, he saw a city filled with people who were suffering. Poverty, disease, and death were everyday experiences for so many of them. Jesus had walked among them. He had lived among them. He had experienced the sting of death himself as he stood before Lazarus's tomb. And, and the Bible tells us that there too he wept. Matthew 9.36 tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And time and again, we read of Jesus being moved with compassion to the point that he just had to reach out and touch those who were lost. He just had to reach out and, and touch the suffering and, and, and bring healing to those who were in pain. Jesus was never numb to the lostness and pain of those around him. And I have to believe, church, that Jesus' heart, that God's heart is still broken today over people who are spiritually blind and lost. And that he is yet filled with compassion for those who right now are suffering in poverty and facing the pain of disease and death and fearful for their future. Even in the midst of what's taking place today, his heart goes out to us. And I tell you this morning, if that is you, if that's where you're at today, if you're saying, Pastor, you're describing me today, I want you to know that he is not ignoring you. He is not passing you by, but Jesus sees, God sees, and his heart is moved with compassion on your behalf. But not only did Jesus see what was, but Jesus, he he wept over what could have been. He wept over what could have been. For as he looked over Jerusalem, he cried out, if, if, if you had only known. And his words imply that things could have been different. His words imply that things should have been different. After all, it wasn't God's will for them to be lost and in spiritual darkness. It wasn't God's will that they would be experiencing pain and suffering and brokenness. Things could have been and should have been different. Listen, as I look at the Bible, I see that we were meant to live in a world of shalom. Jesus speaks about that peace here. Shalom, that is perfect peace and wholeness. But the Bible shows us that back in the book of Genesis, that when God created this world, he made everything good. Everything was perfect. Everything was whole. It was a world of shalom perfect wholeness and peace yes it was paradise oh can you imagine what that must have been like but you see when sin entered the world everything began to break down and fall apart when man decided to take things into his own hands and do things his own way to set himself up as his own god the shalom with which god had created this world was destroyed And the result has been that throughout all of history, and even today, we live in a world that's filled with conflict, with war, with disease, with death and destruction. All the terrible things we see happening in our world, some of which happen to us on a very personal level, they're all the result of the fact that we live in a fallen world, a world that has been impacted by sin, a world that is lost. It's shalom. Even right now, what we're facing with this pandemic that is forced us all into our homes to separate from each other and, 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 and all the, the, the destruction and, 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 and even the death that's upon us. Listen, it's all part of the fallenness of our world. And God never intended for it to be this way. This was not the way it was supposed to be. But when God created this world and created us, you see, we were meant to live in perfect relationship with God, with one another, and with nature. We were meant to live constantly receiving from God that gift of eternal life. We were meant to live in shalom, perfect peace, and wholeness. And yet because of our sin, it's all fallen apart. But here's the thing I want us to catch this, this morning. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that anyone should perish. And so rather than throwing in the towel on us when we have gone our own way and we've fallen into sin, God has been at work since the very start to renew our relationship with him and to bring us back into eternal life. He has promised us a way back into perfect peace. And thus from Genesis on, God promised that one day a savior, a Messiah would come who would rescue us and save us. Through the patriarchs and the prophets, God had spoken to his people over and over again. And time and again, God himself, stepping into history, acted on their behalf and told them of how he was making a way of salvation for all of the nations. And now, once and for all, he had stepped in through the person of his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, listen, as Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he was weeping over what could have been. Things did not have to turn out this way. He was weeping over the if-onlys of life. Things could have been and should have been so different. Oh, if only the people had responded to what God had been doing and saying. If only they had responded to the coming of their Messiah, there would have been peace in their hearts and minds peace in their relationship with god peace in their relationships with each other shalom a complete wholeness and healing spiritually emotionally relationally physically jesus saw the if onlys of our world and he wept maybe you're living with some if onlys today maybe you have your share of regrets as you look at the havoc that has been wrought in your life, sometimes by your own sin, sometimes by the sin of others. Maybe you're saying, oh, if only I had done things a little bit differently. If only I had lived a little bit differently. If only I had had stopped and given my life to God. If only I had followed Jesus. If only, well, I want you to know today that Jesus sees, he knows, and he doesn't come in and say, oh, I told you so. His heart is not hardened against you. But rather, he's filled with compassion. And even today, he offers to you another opportunity to make things right. To experience his forgiveness, his salvation, his peace. That's why he came. He came to a world that was not the way it should have been or could have been. But Jesus stepped in, offering the salvation and peace and eternal life that God offers to us even today. Oh, Jesus wept over what was. He wept over, over what could have been, what should have been. And thirdly, Jesus was weeping. He wept over what was coming. For as Jesus looked over the city, he cried out, the days will come. And he goes on to describe the destruction that lay ahead for Jerusalem. And he wept. Jesus saw ahead to the day when his beloved city would be overrun by the Romans. He could see the day just 35 years later when the city would be leveled. And the Jewish people would be slaughtered and then dispersed as never before. He saw the terrible pain and sorrow that was about to come their way. But listen, rather than cheering for the destruction of those who had, for the most part, rejected him, rather than cheering for the destruction of those who would one day cry crucify him, Jesus wept over them. In fact, the Bible teaches us that as time moves on closer and closer to the return of Christ and the end of time, That these things, war, disease, all kinds of calamities will be on the increase. I mean, I don't want to bring you bad news this morning, but Jesus himself said, listen, in this world, you will have trouble. But here's what we need to understand. That God is not in heaven gloating over what is happening in our world. Jesus is not crying out, I told you so. It seems to me that there are some so-called Christians who seem to want to gloat in times like these and say, I told you so. They seem to find some kind of sick joy in it all, as if they are somehow being vindicated by the suffering of others. But that was never Jesus' heart. That was never God's heart. And it never will be. But rather today, as it was 2,000 years ago, I believe that Jesus' heart is still broken over all the pain, the brokenness, the sorrow, and grief that continues and will continue to come upon us time and again. He is sorrowful over what continues to take place in our world and in our lives. That's why he came and he gave his life for us as a sacrifice for our sins. That's why he came and he he lived and he died and he rose again because he wanted to rescue us. He wanted to set us free. And so even today, he reaches out to us with mercy and grace, offering forgiveness, life, and salvation. He reaches out to us, sympathizing with all of our pain, offering us that shalom, that, that perfect peace, and the eternal life and the wholeness for which he gave his life. And he offers to us, His presence in the midst of all these things because Jesus is still Emmanuel, God who is with us. And I want you to know today that even in the midst of this pandemic and even as we are separated in in our homes and we're trying to figure out how to live life in the midst of all this, I want you to know that Jesus is still Emmanuel. He's still God with us reaching out to us to minister to every need that we have today. You see, I think we need to ask ourselves this morning, what is God feeling when he looks over New York City and hears as one friend wrote on his Facebook page the constant blaring of sirens going by his apartment? What is God feeling as he sees hospitals being filled with those who are suffering at the hands of this virus here and around the world? As he sees thousands dying and not given opportunity even for a proper burial? What's in God's heart as he sees the tears, the anxiety, and the fear that so many are are feeling, maybe some of us even now are feeling? Listen, I believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thus, Jesus' heart goes out to us. And Jesus continues to call to us. And I can sense that it's almost with tears in his eyes that he is crying out to us today. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For he still offers himself as that good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He's still the one who says, listen, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Oh, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus' heart is yet filled with compassion for those who are spiritually blind and lost in the darkness of their sin His heart is filled with compassion for those who right now are filled with great anxiety and fear and pain. His heart is still moved on behalf of those whose lives are filled with the if only regrets of life. For he knows our lives are not the way God intended for them to be. So he reaches out to us with comfort, mercy, and grace. And Jesus' heart is still moved by the fact that our world continues to be a place of great suffering and pain. Listen, church, so much has been stripped away from us so quickly. But I want you to know, there is yet hope and peace available if we will but look to Jesus, the one who came to rescue us from our sin and to bring to us the shalom of God. Oh, I think about that old song that we sometimes sing, but it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, all these things around us, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so I want to encourage you this morning to look to Jesus, the one who loves you, who gave his life for you, who's yet able to bring to you the peace of God, the life of God, the wholeness that God intended for you to have his gift of salvation. He's still inviting you to come. Won't you hear him today crying out to you? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes and maybe sing this song that Kim and Pastor Guy are gonna lead us in and, and just hear the voice of Jesus calling to you today. Then I'll be back to lead us in prayer.
1: Blood, the precious blood and precious blood.
0: heads with me as we pray. Jesus still says to us today, come to me. He's still calling us to come to him. He came and he lived among us as a man. He laid down his life on a cross and he rose again from the grave. All the things that we remember during this week. He did it all for us that we might know the forgiveness of sin we might receive the gift of eternal life, that we might have new hope and peace within our hearts. This morning, as I pray, if you're there and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never invited him to come into your life, you've never given yourself to following him, he's calling to you today. And I invite you to to give your life to him. You say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to receive all that you have offered to me. Or Maybe you're there today and you know your heart and mind have just been filled with anxiety and fear. Maybe you are just filled with pain today. and The stuff that's happening in the world around us is just overtaking you. Maybe you're sick in your body. But Jesus invites you to come and to cast all your care upon him and to know that he cares for you. So let's just look to the Lord right now in prayer. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your Son Jesus, for all that he came to do for us, to offer us, as he lived here in this, in, on this earth, as he laid down his life on a cross, and even as he rose again from the grave. We say today, as we just say, oh, what a savior! Oh, what a Savior. We thank you, God, that your heart is not hardened against us in any way. That, Jesus, your heart is still a heart of compassion. So I pray for mercy and grace, forgiveness and life to flow to those who maybe today are reaching out to you for the very first time. That you would pour your grace upon them in Jesus' name. That they would experience that wonderful forgiveness of sin that they would receive the shalom, the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding. And God, for each one of us today, as we call upon the name of Jesus, oh, we look to you today. And I'm praying, God, that you would fill your people with peace. God, that you would build new hope into our hearts and minds. And that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens in our lives or in the world around us, that you are still a God who is with us. A God who is able to help us. A God who is able to heal us and meet every need that we have. And so we, we do as your word says, we come to the, the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. We cast all of our cares upon you we know that you care for us. We thank you for this. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. name. So Father, I thank you today for this time that we could be together here online. We thank you for the technology that makes this all available to us, and I pray your hand a blessing upon your people today. In God, that we would we would go through the rest of this day filled with hope and peace and renewed joy, knowing that Jesus, our Savior, is with us, and it's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for being with us and other friends who've joined us here today. Um, I, I do want to encourage you, if you can, to get online with us at 5 p.m. tonight, our Shrewsbury, our Shrewsbury First Assembly of God um, Facebook page, and we're going to pray together beginning at 5, 5 p.m. Kim and I will be online, and we trust that you'll join us. And we're praying God's peace over your life and his provision for you in Jesus' name. God bless you.